Guru Nation, and welcome to episode 491 of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. This was a very exciting, inspirational, motivational interview with Carla Vera Nara from Vera Systems uh, in Florida. And she started out, just like the title says, this is not clickbait. She started as a receptionist, then worked as a coordinator for an SMO, then became a CRA, then saw the opportunities with rescuing sites, uh, so became a contractor, then created a phase one monitoring service company that is doing extremely well. Links to her LinkedIn profile are in the show notes. Check out my Patreon channel, $5 a month for a monthly mastermind as well as, and when we get to 50 people in there, we're gonna do two masterminds a month. We're, we're there to motivate people, to pump people up. Uh, check out in the show notes, CRA Academy, CRC Academy, Latinos in Clinical Research. Also check if you need studies for your site, we, have a, we do it at a flat monthly fee. Text me 949-415-6256. With all that being said, really, I enjoyed doing this interview, so I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I enjoyed conducting it. Thank you very much. Take care. Hello, Guru Nation. Welcome back to another episode of Random Musings from the Clinical Trials Guru. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Guys and gals on YouTube, only one out of four of you who watch this video are subscribers. So make sure that you subscribe, like, comment, because today we have a really good guest, an inspirational guest. Anybody that can create a niche service in research that's sustainable and that is busy all right, is deserves all of my respect. So today we have Carla Navas. She's the founder of Vera Services. It's a phase one clinical research, I guess, monitoring service. We're going to get into exactly what she does. Uh, but welcome, Carla. Thank you very much. Hi, Dan. Thank you for having me. So let's before we get into Vera, because I do want to talk most of the interview about that and what you're doing and challenges, opportunities that biotechs or small, small cap drug companies face. Who are you and how did you get into research in the first place? Yeah, so uh, long story, so I'm gonna be, try to be brief as possible. Um, I'm Ecuadorian by birth, so um, hola a todos los que hablan español. Latinos in <laughs> clinical research. We need to there get you, you on there. We need to get you yes. on there as a presenter soon. <laughs> yes. So um, I came um, at the age of 18 years old. And actually, my first job at 18 years old was in a clinical research facility as a receptionist. Wow. Yes, 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 yes. So I was the person who, when the patient comes in and they're like, oh, we're interested in studying. I was like, uh, okay, which study? And let me give you a consent. That was me. <laughs> Um, so in this, this was a phase one facility and I kind of escalated through all the positions for over 10 years. Um, and I got myself pretty well established in that clinic to the point that I couldn't go higher up anymore. Um, at the same time, studies in Latin America were becoming a thing. Um, and it was pretty new. I gotcha. So, yeah. So I got the opportunity to work with us. Sign an SMO, they're not a CRO, they're an SMO who yeah. has about 10 or 12 sites in Latin America. And the biggest need was is that they needed someone in Spanish 
to no kidding uh, no research yes so when was this not trying to date you or anything but when was the like just give us approximate time oh this my was. god this was back in 2000 2001 i want to say 2002 wow, okay okay yeah so you've been yeah. doing this for a while all right okay so yeah. latin america was hotter then than it is now because now you're mm. not seeing too much of this like you know wanting to do it i mean they're doing like multinational trials there of course but like early service, you're not seeing too much, right? No, not seeing too much. So what works for Latin America are conditions that we can find here. Um, so for example, I was working with a derm pharma and we couldn't find impetigo anywhere in the United States because it's not something that it's, I mean, you wash your hand with soap and impetigo yeah. goes away. Yeah. But in, um, in Latin American countries, I mean, they're third developed access to soap might not be something that it's, a daily use. So it was a perfect finding because we were able to do the study uh, to get the data and help people over there. So, um, so I had to like kind of build up a site over there to help get this data. And, and you can think also on acne patients that are naive to any medication. That's not something that you're going to find here in the US because you can get in, you know, in the CBS and get something. We needed to find somewhere that it's kind of you know a wow luxury so how did the so you worked as a receptionist at a clinic uh -huh. the site that you were working was part of a smo no 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 they were a standalone dedicated clinic facility for phase one i see but then um you know meeting people uh when i was already a big study coordinator um i got in touch with a SMO who has the sites in Latin America and they were like straight out they were like we see that you have a lot of quality and EDC knowledge can you re you know do this as a CRA in Latin American countries wow as a CRA as a CRA because now the issue was is that even if the company hired the SMO they, they the PI couldn't communicate with the CRA so Right. So they needed that. Uh-huh. Okay, so that's how I, gotcha. I became that's how I became a CRA. So they gave me a a quick two week uh get ready and start <laughs> traveling. But because I already have dealt with a lot of monitors for several years, I knew exactly what their role was. You knew what monitor were. I this why I always yeah. say coordinators make the best CRA in my opinion, besides nurses. Yeah. I mean it's between yeah. those two you know, who makes a better CRA. That's debatable. Let me know in the comments who you think make a better CRA, a coordinator or a nurse. Um, I think it's tough to say either one is bad. So, uh, Carla, you were going then to all different parts of Latin America at that point? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I went to places like Ecuador, Dominican Republic. I, I think I'm going to retire there. I used to work there weeks at a time. Um, Honduras, Nicaragua, um, Oh my gosh, um, Chile, Argentina, wow, different places um, where we were doing studies. And the conditions are not like something you're used to here. They were pretty rare conditions. Um, so I was able to get all the type of connections and I lasted there for maybe another nine years. Uh, so I helped that SMO get all their sites with their same SOPs, uh, trying to develop more phase one studies over there yeah 
it was wow. kind of a challenge, but the issue is that when you're traveling international, the pharmaceutical or the sponsor will not pay you for three days. You got to stay there like the week. <laughs> wow. So, okay. Yeah. So that became an issue. So I will be from like in Dominican Republic from Monday through Friday. And then on a Monday, I needed to be in Nicaragua for Monday to Friday. So okay. family so time long... was almost zero. <laughs> yeah, that's good. I would imagine. Now, how long did this last? Because I know SMOs, um, I mean, they fell out of favor at some point around like late 2000s. So how long were you actually monitoring? Uh... So no, I mean, I, and the only reason why it's because I left, but they're still pretty strong because oh, they they're have still doing good they have good connections in in Latin American countries that they have their repeated clients, which is wow. amazing because you're not going to find the conditions that they deal with. You're not going to find it here in the U.S. So, so that opened your eyes working for the SMO. Open exactly. your eyes. Right. Yes. Yes. And you, so you seem to be entrepreneur. You're not seeing you are obviously entrepreneur because you don't go from receptionist to owning a uh, phase one monitoring service company otherwise i mean it's not easy what you did right but did you always know like when you were receptionist did you know i don't know what i'm gonna do but research is gonna be something i'm gonna do yeah no i knew because unbelievable or not uh when i see when i saw people getting hired at the clinic either they like it or they didn't like it like they will be like oh no we're just dealing people and you know to put in medications weird medications and you know they wouldn't like it they wouldn't like the whole concept and honestly i was very comfortable with the concept so and you gotta you know you gotta wrap it up quickly you have to get it and and <laughs> be out on it so i saw a lot of people that were like no no this is not for me a lot of people that try but couldn't couldn't deal with the fast pace of the trials and um you know they will keep you if you get it they will keep you as long as they want and if you're good right so so um basically after that um because i had only experience in latin america i did have to pay my dues in a big cro in the united states oh you did you did i did when I did. when before or after the smo did you do the after the SMO, because they, you know how they're here, you have to have experience. <laughs> right, right. So how did that work? What what made you go from the SMO to doing Latin America, which you found a really good niche? What made you want to go to a U.S. big CRO? Yeah, family time. That was my big issue. I could not, um, the schedule was so crazy between Latin American countries. Just tell you a quick story. I was trying to catch a early fly at five in the morning from Nicaragua to the U.S. so I could spend more time with my family. Um, and I made a huge fly in the airport because I didn't want to fly in the flight. And I was like, it's right here. You don't want to give it to me. Turns out it was in Honduras. <laughs> but in the right airport. So wow. uh, that's how crazy it was. Yes. So um and due to family reasons, um, my kids needed a, more a mom at home than a uh, working person. So um, I decided to uh, switch it up a little bit. So I started doing more U.S. But um, being bilingual, it's a blessing and also a unfortunately event sometimes because then in this big CRO, which now everything changed, I was paying salary. Um, I was assigned to all the Puerto Rico sites. So I had 19 sites in Puerto Rico. So I will travel from Monday to a Friday, all in the island. 
and then come back home and do reports on the weekends and then do it again on Monday to wow. Friday. Wow. <laughs> so, so even I was making then, not much less. family time. Exactly. So I was making <laughs> less and doing more. <laughs> so not a good idea, but you're glad not you did that, idea. right? Because you, I think you, okay. So at the CRO, then you got your eyes more open. Correct. What Correct. did you see? What did you see? That because you don't just say I want to do phase one monitoring uh, specialty service that doesn't come from the no. in there. How what did you see that made you so, think? One of the things that I noticed is that um, big CROs um, we turn they, they turn their monitors to be like a cut cookie uh, factory. Yeah. they're going to be doing this like this, and and you know it's it's cookie just a cutter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that didn't work well with me. Like I do have an opinion and if something is not working away, I, I don't want to go around. I want a solution. So um, a couple, I can tell you so many scenarios where that happens, where, but what I actually saw is that my sites were missing quality for quantity. So even if the sponsor got their data and things approved, once they're going to get audit, it was going to be a quality issue. So, and what happened after is that now I'm becoming a lot of known for rescuing studies because it's so important that we provide quality and safety data rather than the quantity for visits that the CRO wants to get paid for. Right. So this was important for me. So I, I obviously after the year, I was like, no, I'm done. I mean, I cannot even offer quality because I'm, you have me with 19 sites. It, it's so just they didn't ridiculous. care. Sierra didn't care so much about quality. They say they do, but they don't. They just want the drug approved or, you know, FDA decision, whatever. Can you explain what's a rescue uh, for people that are watching or listening? Rescue. Okay. Monitoring? So, um, so, and I'm not going to, I cannot mention companies for confidential disclosures. We, we all know which ones they are. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so for example, I, um, Vera Services started in 2005 because I saw this need. I mean, it, it was impossible when I was talking with PMs. They were like, we cannot find a quality person and we have to go to these big CROs to pay crazy amount of monies and have no quality of data. So I started Vera Services. And the reason why I started is because this provider or this sponsor, pharmaceutical, the one who developed the drug, um, were pulling their study from a big CRO because they had missed, they had a lot of quality issues. I mean, wow. it was so bad that um, CRAs had said they did visits and the site didn't even know who the CRAs were. So it was a- No kidding. Yes. <laughs> wow. It was a completely disaster. So once they put on the line, okay, this is, you know, we don't know for safety, because the CRO is not going to get issue a, a 483 for oversign. That's right. going to be always a sponsor. So um, they pulled it and they were like, what are we going to do with this? Let's do it internally. But they needed a CRA team, experienced CRA that can actually talk to these investigators to tell them the transition and try to have them work with us after, you know, changing maybe five CRAs or maybe having no reviews at all. Right. 
So that's how we started it. Um, me and my husband, we are CRAs. He he has another trade, but I train him to help me. <laughs> and okay. he's currently a CRA as well. And um, that's how we started. And So you um, basically saw sponsors were saying from the big Sierra, they're saying they were calling you directly and saying, hey, well, you know, why, what's going on? And then that's where you saw the opportunity. Exactly, exactly. So I have a lot of because I've been in the business for so long, I have a lot of PMs that work for uh, pharmaceuticals directly or small biotech. Ah. And they were like, we can find I cannot find someone that can duplicate what you do. And we were like, okay, well, maybe I'm missing the big picture. And you know, we need so to basically, do it better. Basically, what you did was this quote, I just put on Instagram. Being a generalist means mastering skills beyond your specialty and making yourself indispensable. You there see you that go. Swiss Army knife. All right, that's that's Carla. exactly what it is. This other one I just posted today. This is why the universe works in the mysterious ways. <laughs> Be indispensable. Do the things your colleagues won't. That's right. Carla, I'm a fortune teller. I I, I did these quotes yesterday. I didn't know we were going to interview today. I had no idea. I know. I know. I know. You see. This you is, see how that you works. You just gotta be open. So that's exactly that summarizes what what your situation was at the CRO. Exactly, exactly. So um, this was one CRO. Then we had another small pharma that came in there. Like we want to do this study. We don't want to give it to a big CRO. Can you handle a startup and monitoring? And we were like, well, we're not sure where we are. Well, we'll give it a try, and we did, and it worked fine. So you were willing um, to risk, okay, the stable salary for going on your own or were you managing that risk by doing both at the same time until you were sure that you would do well on your own um to be honest with you for the first two to three years we i had to be able to handle both at a very high speed and be very dedicated in both because you cannot even if you work for a salary those are the people that you're gonna have to work at another company or that's your recurring client right right but I had to be able to keep both running. So for the first two or three years, it was really tough. Wow. But then we. That's the thing people don't understand. They think it's easy to go from an employee to running your own business. And what they don't realize is to reduce the risk, you actually have to work double for the same pay. Uh, oh, yes. <laughs> so that's the barrier of entry for most people. Oh, yes, yes, yes. It's, it was hard. I'm not going to lie to you. I had many nights where I would put the kids to sleep and I had to work from 8 to 1 p.m., wow. 1 a.m. to make sure reports are getting in on time. How much coffee? You and, must be drinking a lot of good Cuban coffee in Miami. Oh, my God. I even invest in one of the companies. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only way you can do it. Yeah, there is no other way you can do it. But, the you know, the... The investments does pay off because I've been we've been on our own since 2009 and it's been um, I don't even know what year are we today 2021. So 11 years, 12 years. Yeah, yeah. solid, wow. solid working for in ourselves. We are our own, our own owners. I mean, we pay ourselves. And so I don't tell me what Vera Services way. does because I mean your story is incredible, uh, but tell us what Vera Services does. What problems you solve? We kind of got a preview because of all the PMs calling you uh, from your previous work. So basically, same kind of customers. Are they small biotech, big, medium? What? Yeah. What 
I haven't, I mean, um, I haven't worked with any big CROs or any big pharma, to be completely honest with you, like um, um, Merck and things of that nature, they will use their own, you know, CRAs and whatever. But I work with the small ones, with um, ones that don't have the budget to go and hire a big CRO. And it really depends on the type of service that we that we can provide. I mean, we go from providing a full monitoring services, which includes everything from having sites um, start up process, getting the right finders, submitting things of that nature, going to monitoring services and closing up the site and submit their data. Uh, or um, we can only do the monitoring portion of it. So, um, and one of the things is that we, we're pretty open-minded. I don't wanna close an opportunity until I'm 100% sure I can do it. I, I, I like, I go for challenges. So mm-hmm. um, one of my new clients, it's, it's they're pulling their study in the middle of the study and not the best scenario, but I'm gonna see, you know, <laughs> what's gonna happen. Um, and a lot of phase one, that's, that's our specialty. Um, one of the things we, it's hard to find, it's monitors that do have a phase one, like they know what is a MAD, um, multiple sensing doses studies, um, single. Oh, yes. Very tough. tough. Why, why is phase one so difficult for monitors? Because it's, <sighs> it's different than phase two through four, right? Because the dosing is more relaxed on phase two through four, it's true. The fundamentals are no different. I mean, we're gonna be sending you our best interns, you know, from our CRA Academy to interview with you at least. But what makes it so difficult? Because I think that's a component I'm gonna add, you know, the like a small training for phase one that we talked about earlier Mm -hmm, uh, to mm -hmm. our CRA Academy. But what, like the multiple ascending dose, the multiple PK visits, right? Like within the- Exactly, exactly. And there there are so many designs that are just particulars for phase one. Like we have single ascending doses. We have randomizations, conversions of the same group. So it, it, it gets kind of crazy. I think the mm. difficult part for the CRAs on phase one is the fast speed that we do everything. So for, for example, for a monitor, you're not gonna take a whole day checking one chart. You're probably gonna take one day checking eight charts because the PKs are every two hours and we need to make sure that uh, instead of looking, you will be looking at safety, but you gotta make sure that the times are what the protocol calls for because we're trying to get to the peak of the medication and if the side by some reason messed up and didn't 10 minutes later or earlier, guess what? We're not gonna find that peak of the medication. So that will screw up a whole PK block. So (laughs) it really depends on um, the study but for the CRA, it's just making sure the protocol is being compliant. So do you do, like, I'm curious for phase one, I've only monitored one time a phase one study. I did like, a, and then the study was canceled. But as a contractor, I did do a phase one study. It was tough. Um, do, what was I going to ask as far as the phase one? As far as the phase one, uh, I actually forgot what I was going to ask, but it was a very good question. I was going to ask you about phase one. Uh, it'll come back to me. It'll come back. Not to me. a problem. But your, so story, another, your story is amazing, though. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah. So another thing with phase one is that usually when we have multiple cohorts, we depend on the data of the previous cohort in order to escalate to the next cohort. 
So that means that data has to be entered and reviewed by the monitor mm -hmm. in a timeline. So that will be, they will tell me, okay, we need to get a safety meeting on Friday. Yeah. So guess what? Carla Navas has to go monitor <laughs> a couple of days before. Like that. You have to go like that. You reminded me of my question. Phase one, um, do you do, is it a hundred percent source data verification or risk-based? Can you do risk-based? It depends on the client and it depends on the type of medication that we're doing. So I done phase one for uh, even generics. Some of the drugs do require phase one trials. So if it's a generic that has already been approved and we have pre-established data, then the sponsor will be okay with uh, risk monitoring. But if it's a first in human, forget it. That's going to be 100 SDV. <laughs> so first in human, 100% SDV. But it, so yeah. it depends. It depends. But what, um, as far as I'm, I'm really curious now, your Vera services, and we'll have links to... Um, We'll definitely have links to the LinkedIn for sure, okay, for Carla. But Vera Services, do you do outsourcing um, just the monitoring? And and if so, and by the way, LinkedIn, any sponsors interested, project manager need rescue. I mean, Carla's here. And also uh, students of CRA Academy, like the serious ones we can have internship opportunities for you. It will be amazing experience. But what, why haven't you gone to uh, other CRO services? Why just monitoring? Uh, like, what's the challenges there? So um, to be honest with you, uh, we haven't even looked at it yet. We are really busy with CRA, and we're just thriving with the CRA part of it. Um, mm. There is a need. Obviously, there is a need on good CRAs, um, not, the, not the ones that just go and sign. I mean, I have heard horror stories. I live in Florida, and some of my <laughs> sites are near the beach, and I have sites telling me, well, a previous CRA already came with a swimsuit. Be here two hours, and they left. <laughs> so um, We had that at one of my sites, too. We're here in Southern California, and this CRA from a big CRO kept coming to monitor our site, and he... I was, I didn't care, but he looked every hour. He's like, okay, I'm done. Each time he came was for an hour, sign the log and then he's done. And I asked him like, Hey, what's uh, why? I mean, I don't really care, but why, like, how are you getting this all done? And he's like, well, you know, I just have friends here and I don't come that often. So we go spend time. I'm like, okay, <laughs> he was gone in like six months. Not because of me, not because of me. No. Okay. Yeah. I get you. I get you. But then now it, you, you, your site know what they're doing, but if it's yeah. a site that has no idea what it's dangerous, going on. Dangerous, dangerous. It's very dangerous for the site. So is that your typical, is that your typical clientele that uh, like a sponsor that's pulling their study and then coming to you? Or are you getting like, have you established your reputation now to where you're getting like brand new studies to you? No, we are getting brand new studies. Okay. I, I have some okay. of my clients, I, they don't want to play with another CRO and they're like, we're doing it this, we're doing it how, how you know. <laughs> okay, I got you. So, yeah, and a lot of recurring clients, so for, for, for the audience, I know it's not going to, you know, if you try to look for me, look for me in LinkedIn. We're working on another places on the social media and that's something that we want to work on because um, we just we're doing good. Carla, 
your media strategy, your story is so good. It's even better than what I thought when we were talking on the phone. I, we need to have you as a Latinos in clinical research presenter because we do these monthly Zooms. When you have time, we'll pick a month that you can do it. For, it's only an hour. And then we're going to build your brand through Latinos in clinical research like crazy. And then Vera Services will be like one of the partners on our, on our website because that's such an important inspirational story. And it just shows you like those quotes that I had, you know, yesterday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I had no idea I was going to interview you. I know like you just messaged me and that's it. So it just shows you how the universe works and how the stuff that we're talking about is the right kind of thing. Like you're headed in the right direction. So what advice do you have to somebody who is just starting out? Uh, maybe they were like you back in the early 2000s. Like what advice do you have? Oh my God, be committed. If you say you're going to say something, you're going to do something, you better do it. Don't don't give me the excuses. Just get it done. Hmm. Um, but Carla, it's difficult. <laughs> no, well, yeah, it's difficult for everyone. But <laughs> I just need the people who get it done. Yeah. So yeah. I had a couple of, of questions for you because I I was curious about you. The first time I saw you, I was like, uh, Oh my god, this is amazing! This oh, is exactly bring them on. what the world needed. The CRA world needed. Sure. Okay, so uh, I think this will help your audience and we help a little bit of um, people with just listening and interested. What is the weirdest questions that you had in an interview? Uh, me personally, the weirdest questions I've had in an interview or is like as an employee or me as an employer asking people? No, as an employee um, getting questions. Oh, I've only done a few interviews myself, like as an employee. I, I was a contract CRA, I still am. I didn't have weird questions. I had um, people checking to see if I knew what I'm talking about. So I, I and I love kind of like you, I love the small cap, uh, the biotechs, you know, like under 500 million. I think, by the way, if I was an entrepreneur, I would work like if I were an employee full time, it would be with one of these biotechs, get in early and then get some stock options or something. Those things take off, guys, like the yes. right one. And then if it's not the right one, you move on. You keep doing it until you find you're still building your, your experience. But I had this one small biotech I was interviewing with. There were two guys. They were the directors. And they were asking me about oncology. And it was one would ask me, what do you do when there's a drug excursion? When there's a temperature excursion? I would answer. The other one was immediately no feedback, no room for breathing. One, I answer another, 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 another. And for like, it was like 10 minutes like this. They didn't tell me if I answered it right. Nothing. I know I answered them right. But I can't, I couldn't imagine somebody who doesn't have experience doing that interview. They would have got killed. And I think that's the purpose of those interviews. So I didn't have anything strange because I didn't interview a lot as an interviewer when i hire coordinators i get some weird answers to some questions i i ask <laughs> some weird 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 characters that i would never hire okay alrighty. so for your audience the weirdest questions i got in from cra is um, do you think about research all the time and really? i was like what do you mean <laughs> Yes, because you cannot be showering and thinking about research. And I'm like, well, sometimes I do it, but sometimes I do not. 
What? That's crazy. How would that's they... a super great question. Maybe that's so, a good one to start asking CRAs now for the internship. Do you dream of queries if you're a CRA? Oh, my God. going to start asking so, so the, the the thing was because I do after whether I got the position or not, I'm interesting because I'm I'm curious about how people think. So I was like, well, what was the purpose of this question? And they wanted to know if I was able to think on a problem and find a solution that they haven't figured out. Like creativity, basically. Correct. Correct. So, so it sounds like a weird question, but it's actually a from a philosophical perspective, a important one. Exactly. <laughs> Needless to say, I didn't get the job because <laughs> I didn't yeah. get that answer right. You should start yeah. asking now. Your CRA is when you hire. Do you dream of queries? Just see what they say. <laughs> see what they reply. Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I don't dream of queries. I wouldn't think someone will. But <laughs> it is what. Now it is. you will. You will now. <laughs> <laughs> What's a main skill a CRA should have? Ooh, I mean. Uh, if I had to pick one, uh, if I had to pick one, obviously it's attention to detail, but I want to say also um, soft skills. So encouraging the sites to do things, you know how sites are busy and CRAs that are able to have persuasion mm -hmm. tend to get their sites to perform better uh okay. than those who don't like the worst ones are the ones that are like police officers you know and then oh those are the worst yeah they try to rule by force as opposed to rule by um i don't know what the word would be but like cooperativeness right the, i think that yeah. but of course attention to detail because you don't want to screw up exactly but for me it's communication i think the way you communicate things it's hmm. ideal even well, if you skill, don't pay attention skill. Yeah, even if, even if you miss something and you ask the site, look, look, I forgot to get the temperature lock. Yeah. It's a way you say it. Like, you know, you were supposed to give it to me rather than <laughs> I forgot, please send it to me. So it's all about communication and the way we communicate. I agree. I want to say soft skills, you know, that includes that. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know what's more important, attention to detail or soft skill, because you kind of need both. You, know? you need everything. Yeah. yeah. You need a full package. And mm. then if, if one of your students come with me, remember that our site is also our clients. So I don't want my um, sites uh, or the people you're working with um, telling you, you know, being mistreated or not being polite enough that they don't want to work with us again. If anything, so, we, we train for the soft skills, especially yeah. during the internship part where they get to deal with me and Chris and Monica, who you'll meet. I don't think you know Monica, but you'll meet her through Latinos in Clinical Research. I'm As soon well, as we do finish this video, I'm sending it to all the founders of Latinos in Clinical Research. So you have to watch this. We got to get her on whatever next month is available for her to present. <laughs> Okay, and then guys, for oh, tips for identifying fraud. That's a Ooh, huge thing. That is fraud. a good one. That is a very good one. Hey, you know what? Me and Chris, my business partner, always talk about this. Why doesn't the FDA hire? You know how the FDA does a bunch of four cause audits, right? For fraud, they're they're suspecting mm -hmm. fraud. So mm -hmm. why doesn't the FDA? I'll ask you this one, and then I'll get back to you. Why doesn't the FDA? Uh, hire former coordinators who know what they're doing to be their auditors. What do you think? I would love that because I hate to having an, uh, I, and I've been in, I don't know, many 
20 or 30 FDA audits with inspectors next yeah. to me. And I hate to have uh, explain someone that comes from a milk factory to what research is. Um, so I would love they do that, but I don't think they have the budget to do it. Um, I don't know if you've seen the salary on an FDA inspector. And let me tell you. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's horrible. It's um, not good. But I think that's an opportunity. Well, I don't know if the government innovates like this, but I think that's an opportunity for somebody who wants oh, to yeah. do what you did similar, you know, Yeah, yeah. or just audit. It doesn't have to be with the FDA, but maybe like audit, you know, how CROs hire auditors as well. Yeah. I think so. the one way I do is, um, and it takes the sites to know this, uh, lack of adverse events. I mean, if you have a study, how can you have a study with Alzheimer's, let's say, this is what I monitored. Alzheimer's study. These are elderly patients. Mm -hmm. It's a two-year study. You enroll eight patients. They all complete, and not one adverse event. How? No How one. Is possible? You're not telling one. me no one had a cough. No <laughs> one had a headache. I had a two adverse event this morning. I just woke up. You know, my knee hurt. My knee hurt when I walked my dog, and I had a headache. Yeah. I mean, yeah. how how is it possible Eight. for a elderly in a two year yeah. study not to have a to me, that's the biggest that's warning. That's the biggest thing. Um, well, uh, medical records. Mm. You have no idea how many bond sites I have walked and I had to close them. And I'm like, I'm I'm not coming back to you. This is just horrible. That's that Miami, um, I, the spirit of Miami for you. Yeah, yeah. So I had <laughs> I had one that the dad had died before they gave the the child was conceived. So I was like, <laughs> "Wow, are you kidding?" Yeah, nope. That's a nope. big one. Lack of medical records. I think that's a really good one too. Yeah. Actually, actually, a real story, and and we can sit down for hours, and I can tell you so many stories. <laughs> but yes, yes, and then um. From the PM perspective, because I have a lot of PM friends, um, okay. I was asking them because I, I do a couple of questions with them all the time. So I know what they're looking for. And I asked them before our interview, are, what do you prefer, for life or professional or um, just um, uh, friendly? And they were like, polite. They like politeness. Even if you don't know what you're talking about, they just want to be treated with respect. So the project manager prefers politeness from who? From everybody? From sites or who? From the CRA, because remember, from in CRA. this, in the in our setting, it's we communicate a lot with the, the PMs mm. directly. Okay, that makes sense. I mean, I have so much respect for PMs. I don't think I could ever do project management myself. I can do CRA much more easily than project management. They have to keep things so organized, and whenever there's a problem. From the site, the sponsor, the CRAs, the CRO, everybody complains to them. So mm -hmm. they are putting out fires every day. In my opinion, they, they don't get paid enough. Uh, <laughs> that's like the toughest job, I think. Oh, only that they don't oh, have yeah. to travel that much, but they make up for it with every day putting out fires. I mean, oh, every day. And if it's an international study where you have European sites, you don't even sleep. You know, they call you oh, yeah. in the morning. Mm -hmm. Hats mm -hmm. off. That's right. Managers. No wonder yes. they want polite people. Yes, that's that's what they are. And that's all I have for you. <laughs> Those are good. I've never had a guest ask me questions, but I think that's amazing. 
That's amazing. And your story, Carla, is so good. I mean, I'm going to upload this immediately. We got to do more. Like I said, we're going to have you on Latinos in Clinical Research. Did you even know about that? Did, we, did you know we have this? It's only three months. I, I, I just found out last Friday when I saw your You're too busy. You're too busy. I know. I'm yeah. trying to keep myself out there, though, because um, I, I do want to have we're going to feature you because experience. <laughs> we're going to have to feature you because your story is amazing. Your company is doing great things. We want to help you guys grow. And you're getting so busy to the point where you need to rely on uh, the community to help, you know, and there's mm -hmm. a plenty, there's plenty. So with the CRA Academy, we're going to try to send you good candidates for internship, CRC Academy too. A lot of the CRCs want to be CRAs. And like we said, the best CRAs usually CRCs first. So we have a lot. I'm going to send this interview to all the Latino and Klinger research, and then we'll definitely plan for you to come on. Uh, if people want to find you, LinkedIn, right? You prefer LinkedIn? LinkedIn for now, and we will work on the rest. <laughs> You'll see much more of Carla. Uh, so thank you very much, Carla. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate you uh, sharing your story. And it was not that difficult, right? So I think this is fun. It was good. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Have a good day. You see. You too. We'll keep in contact. Bye-bye.